Hello, welcome to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. And I'm Helena from grayallday.com. And we have a special statement we'd like to read to you. We are podcasters united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black lives matter. We believe that Black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platform to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witness to it. In creating podcasts, we have built audiences that return month after month to hear our voices, and we will use our voices to speak against anti-Blackness and police brutality, and we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. This is a statement written by Tangia Al-Awaji Estrada, and she is the host of the podcast, The Skin We're In. We felt it was really important for us to address uh, current events and current events bring these issues to the forefront, but it doesn't mean that it's something that has only just been happening recently. We believe, as members of the sewing community, that like the rest of the world, the sewing community has a racism problem. And we can see this in many examples. Uh, I know, for example, that many magazines only ever feature white models uh, or, you know, the, the photographs of people in the magazines are primarily white. And Helena, you probably remember this one when Simplicity put out some patterns that were inspired by the film Hidden Figures. And the film, of course, is about the black female mathematicians who helped launch uh, rockets into space at NASA. Um, they put out patterns inspired by that film and they used white models to model them. So we know that there is a racism problem. Uh, racism is often not overt. People like to think that they're not racist and perhaps they're not, but we've all grown up in a racist culture. Um, and one of the ways this also manifests in the sewing community is whenever issues around race come up, there are many people who will comment in these online forums that they wish that sewing, that we could keep quote unquote politics out of sewing. Um, and I think this is very wrongheaded in my opinion, because race cannot be disentangled from sewing. Uh, if you are a person of color, uh, you don't suddenly become not a person of color when you're sewing and engaging in your favorite pastime. Uh, you don't suddenly become not a person of color when you open a sewing magazine and see only faces that don't look like you in that magazine. So Helena and I are taking the stand to say, yes, we do have a problem and we need to work on correcting that problem. So we will use this platform and our voices to stand against anti-Black racism in all its forms. So this is why we'd like to offer to Sewists of Color the opportunity to take over our next episode and to offer your perspectives on being here in the sewing community and what you've observed and what you felt and what you've seen. So we do recognize that even this offer can be seen as yet another way women of color are asked to do emotional labor and educate others about racism. But we did think this is one way we could step out of the conversation and give our platform over to Black voices. So if you are interested in taking over our next episode of the Clothes Making Mavens, please get in touch with us. You can reach out to us at clothesmakingmavens.com. And again, we recognize that this is a request to do additional emotional labor, but we also feel that there are likely women who would like to, uh, or men of color, who would like to uh, have this opportunity. So I recognize both uh, feelings about this as being very legitimate. There are no... Uh, wrong feelings right now about this whole issue. So we welcome them and we welcome your feedback. 
If we're not doing things right, if you have a problem, if you think we're doing it well, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to give your voice a platform here on the Clothes Making Mavens. Yes, we would. And so now we are going to play the episode that we had recorded a few weeks ago. And so basically it is back to our regular programming, if you will. And we're having a chat about sewing. This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. To Clothes Making Mavens, we have such a fun episode for you. We wanted to get together and catch up with all the mavens, so we would like to welcome our joy correspondent, Gila, hey. <laughs> and our super maven, Barbara, Hi. and I am Helena from grayallday.com. And I'm Lori from FrivolousSellLast.com. So it's all four of us together uh, to catch up and see how things are going. And we're going to talk about sewing phases that we've been through. So if I think back on my sewing career, I've been through a number of phases. I remember a time when, for some reason, I was only sewing bags and maybe the odd accessory as well. So, And then eventually I just had too many bags that were made from quilting cotton and, uh, and upholstery fabric. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to explore some of our phases and maybe some of the crazier ones and uh, some of the uh, ones that we might still be in, I suppose. Uh, but first, how's everyone doing? Barbara, you're in Halifax or just outside of Halifax, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. How's your life treating you these days? What's new and exciting? It's been great, actually. I have been home-based. I'm working on another book with a pretty tight deadline. Woo! So, <laughs> I, <laughs> can't wait, can't wait. Uh, it take, books take like forever. You will forget. I even said this by the time it eventually hits the shelves. But I decided to put everything I knew about sewing into like this mega book, which was yeah. such a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> so tall order, woman. That is a very tall order. Because actually I am having to leave a lot. So I really have been for the past, I did it when I was on the road. So for the past five months, I've been getting up every day and sewing things and writing down what I'm doing and thinking, am I ever going to get to the hymns? <laughs> so I've been doing that. Uh, and I, so I've always sewn all the time, but that's been very intensive lately. Oh, wow. Exciting. And I understand your husband has been uh, churning out the face masks lately. He made hundreds and hundreds of them. Wow. I, good for I, him. I cut and he is just, he got very interested in speeding it up and making it in the kind of sewing I would never do. Like he was timing himself and saying, I can make it in nine minutes and with a filter <laughs> pocket, I can make them in 11 minutes. So <laughs> it was, so he's just been sewing nonstop in my uh, house. That's a man after my own heart. Oh, I yeah. He's after all our hearts. As, as Barbara mentioned well, at the last, she said there's going to be a bidding war if anything ever happens to her. <laughs> he is a covetous husband. Yeah. Um, I also love that efficiency. We did the, that's the only way I can make it bearable when we made face masks, me and my daughter, is to um, figure out how to make it more efficient and make it kind of a game and make yes. it more fun that way. Yeah. And Gila. How about you, Gila? How are things over in your corner of England? Uh, oh, um, yeah, I've, I've, all right. Just feels like a little bit of a, a, a whirlwind. Um, my respect for teachers and what they do has grown like a hundredfold because, you know, these are my kids. I've got the five kids. I don't know how somebody else can put up with those five kids because I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> So it's been quite um, it's, it's been quite busy because I've suddenly become the teacher, obviously. And my, um, our oldest son, he was due to take his GCSEs next year, which is mm-hmm. like a really big deal here mm-hmm. in England because they kind of determine the path that you're going to mm-hmm. take and stuff. And so we've had to just make sure that we prioritize keeping him in a schooling mm-hmm. mode because, of course, teenage boys, what's the one thing they want to do all the time? 
video games the games and video games <laughs> um apart from that so as a result sewing time hasn't been as much as i thought it would be so when they came from school i just thought oh i'm gonna have so much time i'm gonna catch up on those blueprint classes i'm finally gonna do all that pattern drafting that i want to do i'm gonna sort out my sewing studio and all of this but I barely have time to even take a shower, you know. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so I'm really excited because I'm actually, you know, th- this is going to be part of sewing for me, like chatting with people who sew and it's going to be fun. <laughs> Remember that old thing, sewing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so do you have any tips then for people who are home with their kids? Like what's, what's your best coping mechanism with five children at home trying to homeschool them? Well, the... The thing is, when I when I started this out, they'd always been a part of me that had always been like, I could homeschool my kids. You know, I could do all those Montessori things for my kids. I could do that if I wanted to. And so when it happened, I was like, I have the chance to do this. You know, I've always wanted to do this. Seven days later, I just was like, I accept that we're all going to be a little bit behind when I go back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because yeah. just to maintain my sanity, it was just a case of I had to make sure that I am looking after myself, first mm-hmm. and foremost, because mm-hmm. you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't mm-hmm. be patient if you're not patient with yourself, if you're play, playing on too much stuff that you have to do. So I just had to, you know, I, I'd say the, the, um, the most important thing that I've learned is that um, as the one that has to be the parent, teacher, etc. You got to look after yourself first. Mm -hmm. So have those baths, take those 10 minutes, just be like, I just need 10 minutes to myself, do the meditation, do the yoga, eat the nice chocolate if you want to, so that you're just able to deal with it. And, and, And just accept that, you know, as far as the school kids go, all of the kids, so it's, it's not just going to be your kids. Everybody is probably in the same boat so yeah you know and just just accept that we're all just going to be a little bit behind and that's okay yeah 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 Yeah. I think that um from what I've heard from teachers they know that Mm -hmm. they expect that next year they'll expect that and they understand they'll be understanding and they'll be more supportive and I was thinking that i do get the opportunity to learn how to support my kids a little better. Even if it's not perfect right now, I can take those skills next year and know, like, I will definitely know what they're learning and where they are, which sometimes I had kind of checked out of because the teachers had it under control. Yeah. So, so there, there is, there's, um, things that we're, we're learning during this time that I think are really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it's also been nice to, uh, see the kids really uh, bond and gel together because yes. you know, they've, they've got no one else to play with except for themselves mm-hmm. and they're just getting really creative so in a way it has been it, it's it's it, it's quite fun because we've got our, like our own little bubble yeah um, and we can be really yes. playful within that bubble and people are just getting to know each other so much more than before. So yeah. 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 There's a lot of good, I think, ultimately to come out of this. Um, And, and that is one of them, the, the sort of, I, I saw someone describe it as the sacred time that we've had lately. And I know that that's not, true for everyone. You know, there are a lot of people who are struggling. There are a lot of essential workers who are going out there and putting their lives on the line and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But, uh, you know, for those of us who are privileged enough to be able to stay home with our families, you know, we're having incredible opportunities to discover new things about each other, to find new ways of being, to to figure out how to accept not being continually productive, which is something yes. society pushes on us constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a way, it all, almost is kind of like sacred space, sacred time. Mm-hmm. And I'm already kind of preparing myself mentally for coming out of it. You know, when things start to open up again, I'm going to be, you're going to have to drag me back to work kicking and screaming. <laughs> I'm going to have my fingernails in the floor here of my comfort zone going, no, don't make me go back out there. So it's, you know, it, there's going to be a transition that way too, right? Mm. So For sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about sewing, shall we? Mm. 
So Let's get into it. Yeah, we thought it might be fun to just talk about phases we've been through. And I mentioned how I had done this bag sewing phase. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the phases I've been through with sewing end up being something that I think I really enjoy sewing, but I don't enjoy using or wearing. So when I was doing those bags, you know, I was picking out crazy quilting cotton and really interesting upholstery fabrics and making bags. And then I had all these bags that kind of weren't very, I don't know, chic, I guess. And, you know, I live in a big urban center and I go to work downtown. And so, I don't know, carrying like a quilting cotton bag with, uh, you know, birds and, and twee things on it was kind of not really going to cut it in my lifestyle. And I thought, why am I doing this? So sometimes it's about like, I, I was enjoying those fabrics and enjoying sewing, but um, I realized, you know, it was kind of unsustainable because what was I going to do with these bags? So mm -hmm. has anybody else had something similar where you were on to sewing something, fell down a rabbit hole? You're like, why am I sewing these things? Yeah, I definitely like to went through a phase where I like to sew fancy things. Like mm -hmm. it was so fun. And I, I don't know if I just had felt that I didn't have access to those things before. You know what I mean? Like those things were unaffordable to me, but if I sewed them, sometimes they could come into my world. And so I sewed some fancy things, completely useless. <laughs> and so disappointing because when you love something and love creating it, and then you can't use it. I mean, perhaps not everyone has this problem, but I am extremely practical. Like, and, and that's part of why sewing is one of my, you know, my favorite hobby is because it's something that I enjoy doing and I get something out of it. So it's so practical. I'm not, you know, wasting time. So yeah, that, that, uh, that particular phase was like a highs and lows, I guess. It was just like, Oh, I made this beautiful thing. Oh, there's no use for it whatsoever. So that, <laughs> that was a, something I learned from for sure. What was like the fanciest thing that you made that was the most useless during this phase where you were making the nice things. Yeah. I made like capes. I don't wear capes. Um, I made... wait, 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 capes. Like what are we talking here? Superhero capes. Or no, like, the, like... The, or the red carpet capes. Cause capes yes. were in with the Oscars and the golden globes. So you were so right. ahead if you were doing oh. that before 2020. Right. But I, I don't go to the Golden Globes or the Oscars. No one has ever invited. <laughs> I don't understand. Somebody should. I'm right here. Yeah. Things like that. Um, I did, you know, I made a gown, like a, a whole gown. That was really fun. But again, no, completely unnecessary. Embroidering things. Uh, I thought that making things unique in that way, but then it was really fussy. It wasn't since then, I've What do you gone mean fussy? Through... Like fussy doing it or fussy looking? No. Fussy looking. Okay. Like and then that wasn't style. really your thing. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because in, in the last few years, I think three years ago, I went, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I went through this book called Style something, Style Statement. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's a bunch of very inquisitive questions about what you value and what you want to portray and how you want to feel in your clothes and how you want to feel in your environment. And from that, I really zeroed in on my style. I just kind of have been incorporating it. So things sometimes still look a little eclectic in my life, but I do know what my style is and what I decided it's modern bold. And I've been using that kind of as a yardstick when I sew things. But I do have to admit that I still sew things that aren't modern bold because it's fun to sew. So I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, Absolutely. Still want to. Do you have an example? Is there something you've sewn lately that doesn't really fit into that category? Um, well, I haven't sewn much lately. Mm. And some of the things, so sometimes I will purchase fabric that is not very bold, mm -hmm. right? because I want to, I want it to be wearable. So I'm still finding that balance a little bit. So there needs to be an element of my outfit that's modern, bold and bo you know, bold. And I like the modern silhouette and sometimes I'm not getting both elements. So I'm still working that out. Cause sometimes it's just, 
you know what's in style right now is boho. Everything's boho. Boho, boho, boho. My daughter loves it. It looks adorable on her and I get sucked in sometimes and I even have sewn some things that, and then I'm like, this is not modern or bold. (laughs) I get sucked into that too, Helena, because I have a similar aesthetic to you and, you know, I'll see some flowy, drapey and I'll think, oh, that's so beautiful. And I picture myself running through a meadow full of flowers and (laughs) and I'm like, I, you know, I do not run through meadows of flowers anyway. So, (laughs) but it's really easy to get drawn into that, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Barbara, what about you? You strike me as the kind of person that doesn't go down these foolish rabbit holes because you've got it so together, but I could be wrong. (laughs) You are kidding me. You you interpret me as someone who has it together. Well, I've just sewn a lot longer than all of you. So I started when I was 12 because I was the oldest of four. My youngest sister was deaf, so my mother was very busy with her because she couldn't call her she had to be chased everywhere and she was wild so my mother was just desperate to get me off her hands because I was always had projects so she did a very odd thing she gave me what in Canada is called the baby bonus Mm -hmm. and and said this is yours you get you can have it to make your clothes and so so that was twelve dollars uh so what I did is I started from when I was 12, I made all my clothes and I've made everything my whole life. So I wore horrible things for many years because I mean, I was a kid, right? What was she thinking? Um, And then I started to sew for other family members, went through a big period where I was all about technique that lasted for a couple of decades. I did costume uh, design in university as my minor. And so I sewed all sorts of, you know, historical things. And then I went through just many phases. The worst phase was wedding dresses because I had one of my sisters was a nurse and all her nurse friends were getting married and they wanted unique dresses. So my sister kind of volunteered me oh, <laughs> and, and I kind of took it on as a, as a technical thing because I thought this would be interesting. I thought I'll see if I can, you know, if I can design things, but that crashed because we had one wedding with some friend. It was, I don't know how we got into this. It was like the head of pediatrics daughter got married. So we made her dress, the flower girl's dress, the bridesmaid's dress, and the mother of the bride's dress, and the grandmother of the bride's dress. Like I was like, wanted to kill my sister. I wanted to drive over her with my car, you know? But anyway, so we finally, we get to the end of this and we carry, and she helped me carry things. That's what she did. So we go to this big house and we go up to the front door. She's holding dresses. I'm holding dresses. And this guy comes storming out the door. So the groom has just gone in and broken off the wedding. Oh, oh my God. What? And, oh and my we're gosh. standing like idiots, right? Literally, he pushes past us. He's met somebody else. So the door opens, the mother opens, and behind us is like a whole family of women hysterical. <gasps> and we're standing there with all these dresses. So we just kind of like, put them down in the foyer and left. I said, and that was it, right? I was done after that. <laughs> and then, so I just sewed everything for everybody. I've done that my whole life. It doesn't occur to me not to be sewing. And I was thinking, getting ready for this. You know, they say people eat their emotions. I sew my emotions. Huh. Wow. So I use it very much to connect uh, so when I worry about my mother's 92, I'll make her something. When my, one of my, uh, my daughter-in-law was pregnant in California and I thought I'm there for all grandchildren. What am I going to do? So I said to her like, Maddie, I'm just going to go out of control and I'm just going to send you maternity clothes I'm making for you. And just understand this is like, this is a mental health exercise for me. So <laughs> But I made her, and I wasn't even telling my friends how much I was sewing for because they would think I was psycho. But (laughs) it made me feel, and she's so nice to me, you know, like I sold her like a bathing suit. I sold her two dresses. I sold her five leggings. I sold her like 10 tops. And she would always get a picture and send it back to me, which was so nice. Uh, And now I'm doing that for my grandchild. And uh, yeah, so 
that's what I'm kind of involved. I interpret my life by sewing. Like if I meet somebody, it's like, hi, do you want me to make you something? Wow. And, <laughs> and, and I like it if people say to me, I've always wanted this. And then I say, okay, I'll see if I can make it. And so that's, I don't know. So I've kind of just gone through this whole thing. I do, I'm making shirts for men for weddings now. I've just been contacted by uh, a friend of one of my boys who's getting married and he wants a beach wedding and he wants them all with these like shirts. So that's, I sew all the time. It's like, and it's kind of annoying that other things have interrupted my sewing, like a career and stuff like that. <laughs> Those pesky things like careers yeah. and jobs. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Well, that's so sweet. It's, it's, you know, it's nice that you let your family members know that, it's kind of, it's partly for them, but it's partly also necessary for you. And so that they can just accept it and not feel maybe a sense of needing to wear it and love it all the time and express to you how much they appreciate it. And I'm sure they do, but knowing that it's also just from your end, you need to do it, that it's kind of a two-way street, right? Well, that's why I have them define what they want, because I mean, I have sewn tons of stuff and my family has no problem saying, mom, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> take the, take this back, mom. It looks like an old lady would wear it. You know, I'm <laughs> like I am edgy, mom. I don't wear this. Back. This isn't modern bold. <laughs> no, it's not modern bold. So now I really clear. So now I say, what would you really like? So that's anyway. So that's what I'm. I'm expressing my life by sewing and. People do this. I was at a fabric store once and a woman was terminally ill and she was going to make an outfit to be buried in. Wow. And mm. which to me was like completely sensible. And mm-hmm. so we, <laughs> we stood around the cutting table and we thought, yeah, I don't know about mauve. You're probably going to look washed out anyway. So I, personally, <laughs> I, I go for something a little brighter. I mean, you got to think of the family. And so that's the role sewing plays in my life. Wow. I love that. I I think that's the, so have you guys gone through um, a phase of sewing gifts? Because I was going to, I wanted to talk about that specifically Mm -hmm. and how, I mean, your whole life is that, Barbara, but I went through a phase of sewing gifts and then I kind of realized that the people that I'm sewing for don't appreciate it. Yeah. Like they don't, yeah, they don't want it. Like my, and because I want to sew what I want to sew. Right. Then I give it to them and they're like, this isn't what I wanted or whatever. Yeah. This isn't. Yeah. I love your idea of saying, what have you always wanted? And you can't find everything in stores, right? Like you yeah. can't find it. So it's like your fantasy come to life. I love that idea so much more. But I went through a phase of sewing gifts and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> no more of that. No. And that's sad. I mean, I, I have friends who... One woman, she had two sons who were living in London, and she made them Nova Scotia tartan vests because she was sure they'd be homesick. <laughs> well, of course, these guys flew back to London, and she found these Nova Scotia tartan vests in the back of a cupboard. Oh. And so you've got to protect yourself from that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I agree with uh, you, Helena, the, the idea that it's wonderful to ask someone, what is their heart's desire? Because that, you know, we have a superpower. We sew. That is mm-hmm. our superpower. And it's like being able to take the magic wand and grant people's wishes. You get a car and you get a car and you get a car, right? So, <laughs> Everyone yeah. gets a car. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keila, what about you? What are, what are some of the phases you've been through in your sewing career? Oh wow! So I've definitely been uh, through a, a like a buying up, a buying up ideas. Mm-hmm, if you follow mm-hmm. my drifts, so it's yeah. kind of like, um, ooh, oh that top. Oh, I could make that top buy it. I could make that. Oh, I could buy. I could buy. And so I ended up with like basically hundreds upon hundreds of sewing patterns, mm-hmm. and uh, same with fabric. And then in terms of actually sewing, I would go through a phase of just wanting to recreate exactly what I saw another blogger make. And it was, <laughs> it was very great. And this was very early on in, in my sewing journey. And, you know, so you had your big, um, you know, your, your big bloggers, your Erica Bunker. Yes. He, and I was just seeing those and I was like, I want a yellow blazer. I'm going to buy that pattern, get yeah. the yellow fabric. Yeah. But 
you know, Erica had been sewing for more than like 15 years at this point. And I was only just beginning. So there was no way it was going to look like that at all. And um, it, yeah, it was a phase that lasted um, for, for quite a while. And a few of the things that I made during that phase, they just didn't work on me. Yep. Right. Because yeah. they look great on someone else, but maybe not you, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, so then I kind of like, I, I moved on from that phase and then I, I went into a vintage uh, phase wherein I just fell in love with the vintage illustrations on the vintage sewing pattern. And as is my tendency, I gathered up a, a lot of vintage sewing patterns in a very short space of time when I was hyper-focusing um, on it. And I did sew up one uh, a 70s uh, dress and it was like a and I'll never forget it because I thought I was going to look so cute I was like oh my gosh I'm just going to look so like those 70s um, movies that I loved it, it was just going to be awesome because the cover it was this really nice um, baby doll dress and it had a square neckline and it had an empire line and then it just sort of like flowed out I have broad shoulders so I've got quite a um, I've got a slightly masculine build because I've got like these really broad shoulders. So square necklines, they don't look good on me. And this yes. was sleeveless. And I put it on for the first time. And honestly, it was like a sack of potatoes. On yeah. me. It was just, and that just put me off of vintage sewing um, for like the next five years or so. But that was a phase that I did. I, I did go through collecting the vintage patterns and planning it out in my in my head. Of course, now I've discovered vintage sewing magazines, which is the current phase that I'm in at mm -hmm. the moment, um, and that's been a lot of uh, fun. But I've I've become more measured in how how far down a rabbit hole I go yes. now. I don't I don't go down a rabbit hole in the same way that I used to back in the day. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like I've got it's almost like I've got firewalls I've got rules about you're not allowed to buy any more vintage sewing magazines until you've sewn at least two from two or three of the different ones you know mm -hmm. and I will stick to those because I've got the experience of <laughs> all of that stuff so um so yeah so currently that's the phase that I'm in right now and I'm just I'm so I'm so in love with the drafting of these uh, vintage patterns yeah. it is it is on another level absolutely of, of amazing and I get it now because I would get a lot of people on my YouTube channel who would tell me that you know you need you the drafting now is nowhere near as good as it used to be and I just used to be like ah. but then when I checked it out <laughs> it really is and you get like um because I think the trickiest part of drafting anything is the armsole, the yes thigh, is that what it's called? I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. And on these patterns, at least the two that I've done so far, it just came out perfectly snug, doesn't restrict the movement of your arm, doesn't make your dress go up and down when you move it. And it was truly a revelation for me. So I'm very excited about this, but at the same time, I'm quite frustrated because I don't have as much time to sew with it. Mm, yeah. phase that... Um, that's the distinctive phase. But uh, to come back to what you said, Laurie, about how you were using these uh, quilted cottons to make these bags, I definitely went through a quilted cottons phase where I was just buying up these cute, absolutely adorable prints. They're irresistible, I right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I did it too. Uh, same, same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they're so cute. And I used to make um, clothes for my girls, my twins. But the thing is, the size difference between a three-month-old and a six-month-old is so huge. They don't stay in those clothes long, especially if they're yeah. woven. Mm -hmm. No stretch. And it was quite heartbreaking for me to realize that I, I shouldn't be wasting my time making them woven things because they just get out of them so yeah. quickly. And I had to move on to jerseys. But I still have a lot of the quilted cottons that I bought in my first year of sewing because I was just like, oh, look at those little birds. Yeah, oh, they are cute. Teacups. Yeah. Teacups. <laughs> you have to buy teacups. Yeah. Right? I know. That's right? the law. Yeah. Well, yeah. there should be masks now. I feel like we've discovered the ultimate 
ultimate yes, stash sure. buster. We're always talking about stash busting and we, yeah. 2020 has presented us with the ultimate sewing stash buster, I think. so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had some, um, I had a group that was sewing masks. So we all got together and they were like, oh, I'm running out of this. I'm running out of fabric. I'm going to have to go to Joanne's because Joanne's here in America um, uh-huh. decided they were essential. So they stayed open. Oh, wow. I question, but um, that's up to them. There were lines going out the door for them. Maybe I thought maybe it was because the only store open, but I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, they all had to run to the to the store to get more fabric, and I was over here laughing. <laughs> it was like yeah, exactly. I made. I think we've we've made almost 300 masks. Wow, no problem, no problem. Yeah. I have plenty yeah. of fabric left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. 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 I haven't yeah. needed to purchase anything and I've been sewing a fair bit because I don't have children at home. And so I have more spare time. I'm not commuting all that stuff. And I feel really good about just having dug into my stash and putting mm. up some things. And it's really made me realize even now when I have all the time in the world um, or a lot more of it than normal, um, I'm still never going to sew that quilted gold lame fabric I bought thinking I was going to make a cool bomber jacket. I'm not going to wear a quilted gold lame bomber jacket. I think is I that the one we bought together. Yes, it is. Helena. Yep. Yep. Uh, In LA. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we, had, we were drunk on the joy of being we together. Totally were. Oh. Yes. The joy of, we bought some crazy stuff being in the LA <laughs> fabric district. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, one of my things now is if I, if I have to go to a fabric shop with a fellow sewist, I don't take my wallet with me. <laughs> Smart. No, I'm, you, I'm yeah. compromised. I'm absolutely compromised because I'm just like, you know what? This is the essence of life. Life is too short. Why should I worry about, you know, paying for my kids this and that or the other? This live in the moment. <laughs> Eckhart Tolle said, be in the moment, be present. I'm being present right now. And and I would just, you know, and and yeah, so, but then in the cold light of day, when the next month you're trying to figure out, hang on, what happened? And then you're seeing fabric shop, fabric shop, fabric shop. (laughs) I know. But it's nothing quite like hanging around with people who sew, you know. It can be dangerous, indeed. Yeah. And have you ever ha- gone shopping with another sewist and have them say, no, I don't think you should buy it? No, <laughs> never. You, no never. Everybody says, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Obviously, yeah, I, I told Lori to buy the gold lame fabric. <laughs> exactly. I think, think you should get three meters, you know. Two meters <laughs> might, might not be enough. Yeah, I know. Well, I remember distinctly... Um, just sort of like stopping to gaze at something. And the fellow service was like, you love that fabric, don't you? This is the second time I've seen you. Just get oh, it. Yeah. It, get it looks great. And yeah, it. I did. I did. I yeah. got it. <laughs> it's like... I know. I yeah. devil on your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. You like yeah, that fabric. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hila, how you were talking about um, the phase of buying all the patterns and buying all the fabric that you're going to turn into something wonderful. I call so I've been in that phase too for sure, and I call that the phase of magical thinking, because oh, yes, we, and I talked about this with Kathleen, psychic sewer Kathleen, who's been on our and and she talked about how she had way too many patterns and way too much stash, and she said even her husband came in and you know, when he saw the extent of it, he was like, this is a fire hazard. We have to get rid of it. (laughs) And it's that magical thinking that equates the idea of if I have the pattern, then I have the garment. That Mm. is so true. You think you are purchasing clothes. Yes. And you're not. And you're not. You're you're purchasing another thing for the to-do list. Yeah. 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 It's like you're buying work. Yeah. You're buying work. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And really, if you actually had like a label or a tag attached to the fabric that said, to turn this into a gold bomber jacket, that's going to be 27 hours of sewing. <laughs> and you're going to have a lot of trouble with that zipper. You know, if yeah. <laughs> then you wouldn't buy yeah. it, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I don't know if we can. Um... If we can, if we want to limit ourselves when we go into a fabric store, because that's kind of the, you know, like the creativity of it is, 
there has to be a time for creativity, I guess, mm-hmm. and a time for looking at the cold, hard facts of it. And I like to separate those out just because I do this a lot in my own life in all these different areas. It's like, I think maybe I could have fun with this, but then I start beating myself up because there's something else that I should be doing. Like mm. I do this in everything, but sewing, I kind of don't take that opportunity. And, mm. you um, don't, you don't beat and, yourself up over doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just try to try to allow the fun of that and step back from, that's from very the, important. Yeah. Cause this how is our fun. You, how, how do you how do you crack that particular nut though? Because that's the thing that I struggle with. Because like you, Helena, I'm I'm quite I'm all about efficiency and productivity and things like that. Because that that's that's what I did and that's what I was lecturing when you know back before I had all my kids and I was actually doing a career. But even in my own household, I run it uh, you know, according to operations management principles, and I'm doing Six Sigma, Lin Six, constantly doing Kaizens and Kanbans and things like that, you know. I do too. So, well, yeah. <laughs> so amazing. So, so much more efficient. And it helps to um, create the time that I need to go um, and so. And I, I'm the sort of person, I can't sit down and watch TV or yeah. watch something because I just feel like, I, I, I feel like I'm so slovenly. If I do that, I have to be knitting or I have to be crocheting. Something has to be done. I can't just sit, you know. Um, but when it comes to the sewing, I do really struggle with the sense of guilt that I have sometimes about I'm spending so much money on the fabric, so much money on the patterns. And it's almost like the less time I have to do actual sewing, the more I spend, which is a bit of a... That's very common. I think, mm-hmm. yes, yes. I think that's very interesting. And I know, you know, sewing students I've had, some of them, they are purchasing instead of sewing because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. their lives are just too busy. And maybe that's an extra hobby, a different hobby. Collecting <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do think the concept of playing is really important. And I don't think, particularly women, and adults don't allow ourselves to play. And you're with five children who are playing. And that, you're probably observing it. That's not wasted time. And I love that Piaget's line that uh, plays the work of children. And I think that we need to play with our creativity or activities. And it's really important to bring that back into sewing, which means that, you know, if it doesn't turn out or if I've learned something, or if it's fun. That's one reason I sew for other people, because it relieves me of the usefulness. So if I'm sewing just their fantasy, nobody needs anything that I'm doing. And I find it quite adventuresome to be doing something that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. So I think we need to play every day in some area. And I think that's an important part. And I think your gowns, mm-hmm. like that was, that was playing. That's yeah. okay. Dress up. Not is wasted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, dress that up isn't is what okay. I, what I meant was the, it was just sad that I couldn't wear them. So they became objects of sadness, not that it wasn't fun to play and make them, but it was like, Oh, but I can never wear them. And so mm-hmm. that's, and, and and of course that's a choice that I made is to look at them that way. But um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I have a practice that encourages play. And the way I do this, and I do this, I realized that I was doing this and that it really sparked my creativity is I get all my fabrics out and I get all my patterns out and I pair them up. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that that's actually, because then I have like 10 projects in front of me. I'm probably not going to get to them all. But that, um, that time where I am doing that is my play. And I started putting it on my list as a, as a task, like a, something that is valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, no, I mean, when I do get to sew, I, I love it. And I, I, I use sewing as my avenue of creativity, which is why I, I make what some people may call a very loud and bold <laughs> and, and it's because I, I, I really love those and I love playing with color and I'm always so 
conscious of the fact that um, time, I, I, okay, I don't want to operate from a scarcity perspective here, but I don't have an awful lot of time to sew. So when I sew, I'm sort of like, I have to make it count, which is why I yes. find it so hard to sew black leggings or black t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to quote unquote, waste your time on sewing basic, basic uninspiring things. Yeah, uninspiring. that's fair enough. Like, yeah, so my joy is when I'm playing with this bright and floral um, and, um, and yeah, and when I'm in that space, when I'm actually in my sewing cave, then yeah, it's actually, it's absolutely beautiful. There isn't, there isn't a lot of, you know, guilt because I'm like, oh, I can do this, I can do this. But it's when I'm away from it, you know. Right, and, right. Yeah, when I'm, when I'm then thinking about, because even though I'm not in the sewing cave, I'd say 40% of my brain is constantly grinding away, thinking about sewing, thinking about, oh, there's that collar. If I do it like this, I do it like that. Oh, there's that fabric. Could I contrast it on this thingy? There was that thing that I want to do. And I'm constantly thinking. And it's those times that I'm like, but whoa, wait, you know, should you be doing this? Shouldn't you be using this space? Shouldn't you be thinking about? It? And then even when I'm buying stuff, because sometimes I'll see a fabric and I'm just like, I must, I must have it. I must have it. If I don't have it, what is the point of living? You know, <laughs> it must be had. And then it's like, oh, and it becomes like this session of, you know, but you cannot, you must, you have got a whole entire, but it's not that fabric, but you've got, you, you just yeah. got. And then, um, and then in the end, I'm just like, just buy, just buy, right? But then there's this like, oh, I can't believe you did it. And then the fabric comes and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. Isn't life wonderful? Yeah, so it's really, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite crazy. So it's like, it's something that I am trying to work on because my husband thinks it's not healthy. He's just like, yeah, you just need to buy it and get over it because he's, he's also an enabler, um, bless yeah. him. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's that. It's like when I'm in the sewing cave and I'm playing, I am playing. I'm having yeah. so much fun with it. But when I'm away from it, I just, you know, I, I seem to amass a lot of guilt. So, you Aww. know. It's, it's, I, feel, yeah. I, I feel bad about that because it seems to me like if it's engendering that much joy for you, you should simply embrace it. And we know, we all know as sewers that certain fabrics can totally create joy, right? Oh, yeah. Fondling oh, it, looking absolutely. at it, just <laughs> having it draped on your banister, even if you're not sewing with it. You know, I mean, I, I'm like that with shoes, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's yes. a bit of a guilty pleasure for me too. And also lipsticks. In fact, since lockdown started, I've been, I ordered a lot of lipsticks online mm -hmm. and I feel again, a certain guilt because I've been trying to cut down on my waist and my general consumption and lipstick tubes are, you know, eventually they're going to end up in landfill. But I seriously have gotten so much joy out of having new lipsticks, even though I have nowhere to wear them. <laughs> You know? Oh, you wait a minute. Oh, yeah. And I've been like changing my lipstick like three times a day. I'll walk in and my husband's now onto it. He's like, oh, I see you've had a wardrobe change. What shade is this? And I'm like, oh, this is Rosy Risk from Maybelline, you know, or whatever. So nice. I think you just have to embrace yeah. the things that really do bring you joy. It, you know, it yeah. kind of just ruins it to second guess yourself and, and feel all that useless guilt. Mm. Well, one way, one way to deal with that is to define it beforehand. Oh, so say I, so I will give myself, um, this much money for fabric mm -hmm. and then within those constraints, then you don't have the guilt. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to have the guilt also oh, like with that. time, also with whatever it is that you're using kind of as a container for your guilt. Say I've chosen before and so be intentional about it okay. that helps yeah no, I'll try that I'll let you know how I get on with that just mm -hmm. sort of like being um intentional with it saying I will give myself uh this much yeah and needless to say there's been a lot of fabric haul videos on my um on my YouTube channel because I I've, I've been I've been buying a lot as part of my self-care <laughs> <as well. laughs> yeah I love Sorry. that this has turned into a bit of a therapy session here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, I suppose it's a phase of sewing, isn't it? Because yeah. um, so, like for me, I, I feel like I've definitely been buying 
um, a lot more patterns and fabrics than I normally have been mm -hmm. over the past two years or so. And that's been kind of like my way of trying to keep it together because right. I have to keep it together because I've got the five kids and the house to run and I have to. And so it's been kind of like, okay, I can't do the sewing. I'm going to buy some new fabric. The fabric comes. Ah. <laughs> and it says um, we're buying hope, you know, the hope that we'll get around yes. to sewing that eventually. It's, you exactly. know, something to strive for. It's maybe a goal setting thing. So we could look at it. We could look at possibility. it too. Yeah, we're yeah, buying possibility. possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also about color. Like mm -hmm. your lipstick thing made me. I have this theory that people need color like plants need water. Yes. Yes. I think you're right. I agree. Yeah. And particularly, I mean, we all live in northern climates. So particularly when it's gray and the weather's been bad on top mm -hmm. of everything else. And I honestly crave it's like people got scurvy when they didn't have limes and lemons mm -hmm. yeah. I get kind of like emotional scurvy and I need mm -hmm. to bring all those colors in and yeah. it's like it's such a relief and I think that's important I'm sure Yes, yeah. there's some scientific basis for that. I'm sure you're right, Barbara. Yeah, I remember I, one winter was so gray and dull, and then I went down to Florida to visit my parents who were vacationing there for the winter, and I just was like, "Look at all oh, the colors color. in Florida are wonderful." Yeah, and yeah. I was taking pictures of the most mundane things, like like um, fire hydrants and you know a bright blue recycling box, and I you know and I would look through those pictures as I got back to gray Toronto, you know. So yeah, I, I think you're onto something there. I was going to say, I bet nobody is mail ordering black and gray and dark brown fabrics right now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, seriously. No, this is a fuchsia period. In Except our for yeah. our wonderful friend, Emilia, who mm. only wears black. So, you know, wow. good on her. Yeah. <laughs> but she she just posted a gray dress and I thought that was very bright for her. Yeah. So sure maybe she's feeling it too. Yep. Mm. <laughs> hey, speaking of bright dresses, one of my phases... I don't know if it was more of a mental phase or if I actually sewed through this phase, but I feel like when I first started sewing garments again, which would have been like in, um, about seven years ago, I feel like I got back into sewing seriously and I discovered the wonderful world of sewing blogs and I thought, oh, so much inspiration. But yeah. I think what was going on in sewing blogging at the time was it seemed like everyone was wearing fit and flare dresses. And I would see them and I'd go, I want to, you know, just like you said, Gila, oh, I want to look just like that. I want to try to get that fabric. I'm going to, and then it occurred to me, A, I really don't wear dresses very often mm -hmm. and B, fit and flair is so not my style. <laughs> you know, it looks yeah. wonderful on a lot of other people, but it really felt to me, I don't know if you had the same sense or not, but it seemed oh, yeah. like that was the only thing that was happening in the sewing world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think blogs knocked a lot of us off our stride. They did, I say this as a blogger, uh, <laughs> but I went through that same thing. I went through a kind of a girl crush thing on Erica Bunker as well. Where oh, I, me too! <laughs> I was copying her stuff and a couple, and I thought, Barbara, you look horrible. But I thought she's wearing it with stiletto heels and yeah. Which you don't wear. Yes. I don't wear stilettos either. No, like <laughs> Who does, this, really? This I mean, really, not me. Yeah. This really tight cocktail dress doesn't work with Birkenstocks, you know? <laughs> and so, I, and then I went through a whole thing that women of my age, everybody was wearing, like, really boxy-arty. And I, I went through yeah. a period, like, and I really love some bloggers that seem to have these outfits every day. I thought, there, oh, I'm really falling. And so I got a lot of those patterns. And they, like, I have a, also probably a masculine, like, you know, square shoulders. I'm tall and, you know, mm -hmm. straight up and down. I look, I look like a tent pole in a tent, you know, like, I just don't look good at all. And so then I just say, all right, you know, like, You've you got to get over this. Like you can't, um, you know, pick off somebody's style because you don't have their life, you don't have their shoes, you don't have their mm -hmm. balance. <laughs> you just don't have that. So that was a, I think, a period where a lot of us, and we, I think, we also got into production envy. I know I, even though I saw all the time, 
I was thinking, oh man, like, how are you doing all that? Like, how, how are you doing like eight dresses a week? Like, I can't do it. And Mm -hmm. so that's, you know, social media is like that. And um, so that took me a little while to Mm -hmm. kind of adjust to that. And then also took pressure off my own blog. Like, yeah, this is me. Like my, my house is a mess, but you know, this is where I'm actually going to wear this outfit. So why don't we photograph it here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's mm-hmm. me in my flat sandals, taking a, a selfie in the bathroom mirror with toothpaste yeah. spots on the mirror. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that that was a cycle a lot of us had to go through. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the Instagram trap, isn't it? Where we look yeah. at others and we think, oh, everything's perfect. They're beautiful. They're productive. And then we start judging ourselves on this mythical well, comparison level, right? Yeah. You know, you just, you just got to get out of that comparison um, trap. I mean, I had a similar thing with the YouTube because um, so with my YouTube, you just what you see is what you get you know I I don't clean up my sewing cave to record it when I'm doing the sewing tutorials it's it's basically looking like a hurricane went through it Mm -hmm. you know and and so at first there was a bit of oh my gosh everybody else was doing the videos it's all nice and white and Pinterest I like to call it the Pinterest you know sewing the ones that just Mm -hmm. look perfectly thinking all that but I was just like you know what this is me this is who I am and that's going to be fine and if that's I think the way that you kind of have to take it especially if you're a blogger or a youtuber or whatever it's just that if somebody doesn't like that then that's fine because you know that's why you've got different people who do different things in different ways Mm -hmm. and and, and that's you know and that's okay um, but yeah, comparison can be a really, um, you know, I, I, damaging. I think, yeah, it can be very, very damaging. And certainly when you start out, I don't know whether it was the same for you, Barbara, it's sort of like being the first, when you, when you start out with the blogging or when you start out discovering the, the bloggers and, and what have you, it's very easy to fall into that. I want to be just like that. I want to be, why am I not mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. like that? But, well, I have to admit that I just went through that with Barbara. So Barbara, you posted the Jelly um, Jean or Jeanne uh, pajamas, which are a knit pair of pajamas. And I was like, I have to have those. And I sewed them up, I think, within like three days of seeing your blog post. And they are so good. I mean, the pajamas themselves, they're just a very basic pattern. It's an unshaped you know, crew neck, long sleeve shirt with, with ribbed cuffs on the, on the, on the cuffs. And uh, the bottoms are just sort of a fitted knit, yeah. you know, almost a mm-hmm. long john style, long underwear yeah. with cuffs on the bottom. But I sewed them in a uh, bamboo French terry. Oh, girlfriends, that Ooh. is my uniform yeah. now. I cannot take mm-hmm. them off. They're so good. So I thank you, imagine. Barbara. Thank you for inspiring me. <laughs> I yes. had a, oh, I have to look just like that moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, so I have what a we're jacket looking for. Sorry, Barbara? You have a jacket, jacket to post? Yeah, that just reminded me. I have a jacket I have to post today from them. It's really nice, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they <laughs> but just... like post on, post on your blog or on Instagram? I do both, yeah. Okay. You're yeah. a you're a jelly ambassador, I guess, right? Well, I don't know about ambassador. It's like I have a long relationship with them. Uh-huh. I used their patterns a long time ago, and I'm – I uh, wrote something in threads and used a pattern and then everybody was phoning them. And at that point they only had French speaking people answering the phone. So so that was a a big, uh, you know, transition there, but I love their patterns. Oh, they're They're so good. They're really good. So so well-drafted. Wonderful people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really enjoy that. But yeah, I do have to get a jacket up. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'd better wrap this up so we can get to those things we need to be productive about, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or we can get back to our joy that the sewing brings us, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love your top that you're wearing, by the way, Helena. That's a toaster. Yep, a toaster. I'm very excited that it is dipping below 80 degrees today. Uh So I can wear it. (laughs) So I can wear my turtleneck. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, so sad for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's I'll really make... lovely. I love the houndstooth print yes. that's coming out there. You should put a picture of that so that people can see that. It's lovely. It's got me thinking. I've got that pattern. I need so to do make I. it up, you so know. Do I. And oh, the toaster sweater is such a classic, isn't it? It's yeah. such a great pattern. Yeah. So this is um, Soho Seven, right? No. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So yes. Soho yes. Seven toaster pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks. Guys. Yeah. We'll have to put yeah. a picture of that up, Helena. Yeah. Sure. I've actually vlogged this one, so excellent. <laughs> it's up okay. On my blog. Good. Good. So lovely to talk to you all. Thanks for thanks for making the time today. Thank you. And uh, thank you. Happy yeah. sewing or planning or whatever phase you might be going through now. Just imagining, just... Yeah, it was so lovely chatting with you guys. I really feel like I've had my sewing fixed for the, you know, for, for the month and it's just awesome. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. We love talking to you. Take care and stay well, everyone. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Stay safe, Bye-bye. everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.